What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back to the Vintage Dow Podcast. I am so happy to bring everybody back into the mix. Uh, we have me and my co-host, Alex. We have such exciting stuff going down on this episode. I'm Muhammad Kairisman, a.k.a. Secondhand Scoops. I'm here with my co-host with the most, the one and only My Thrift Deal, a.k.a. Alex in the mix. Uh, I'm just grateful to y'all. If y'all got to this far, thank you. If you got to this far in the podcast, thank you. Genuinely, today we're joined by uh, a legend, a legend, a legend, a legend in the crypto world. You know, he might say he's not a legend, but I'm going to say he's a legend because it's our podcast. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we have the one and only uh, a crypto research analyst at Bitwise, the one and only Ryan Rasmussen. Hold it down one time. What a crazy name. Yo, give it up. Give it up in the chats. <laughs> no, happy, happy to be here. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely appreciate the, the praise, but but not deserved. But uh, happy to be here talking about about crypto and and you know vintage DAO. Excellent. No, Ryan, genuinely, thank you so much for hopping onto this podcast with us. You are actually our first uh, guest ever on the Vintage DAO podcast, and I know uh, we hope that this episode for the cats that aren't coming from the crypto universe can be a way to bridge into the crypto universe, and for the cats coming from the crypto universe, we hope there's a place where. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, you know, like you can't spar with a green belt when you a black belt. Like if you a black belt, you got to spar with a black belt. You know what I'm saying? So we hope that for the crypto cats that's listening to the podcast, there's a spar with at least a green belt and a black belt. You know what I mean? Thank you for that, Mohammed. I just to say hello to everybody. I wanted Ryan to come on today just because he's one of the most knowledgeable people that I know in the crypto space. And I know for a lot of people in vintage, crypto is something new to you and you don't know that much. And it really helps to like genuinely hear from an expert in the space and anything you think that it might be a scam or anything like that. We could talk about all those things today. You know, Ryan has been knee deep in everything DeFi for the last year plus And before that in the traditional finance system for I don't know four or five years <laughs> prior to that. So we'll just have Ryan give it a big long intro <laughs> about himself and let us know what he's up to now. Kind of talk about his career path to getting to where he is now and, Give us some good insight into the crypto ecosystem and community right now with DeFi and NFTs. And then I'm sure he's going to want to hear a little bit more about Vintage DAO as well. So with that, Ryan, floor is yours. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for the intro, uh, guys. And, and really excited to be here. Uh, you know, I, like you said, I kind of am knee deep in this stuff um, all the time and, and have been lucky enough to, to be knee deep in it for the past year uh, or so now uh, in my current role. But uh, yeah, I just, you know, big fan of crypto, big fan of DAOs and NFTs and just what the whole Web3 kind of ecosystem is growing into. So it's it's fun to to see it all evolve, uh, especially over the past few years. Um, and yeah, I guess I can, I'm happy to give a little intro uh, on how I how I got into the space and a little bit on my, my background. Um, so I studied finance uh, in college and, you know, was always kind of felt like I was just born like just too late to, to really take advantage of like the dot-com or like mobile app kind of like social media boom that really happened in the last technology cycle. Like right when I was kind of like graduating high school and, and in college and uh, it always kind of just felt like, oh, I guess I missed that wave of like being able to like have this, this new uh, exciting technology where you can build all these new, new programs and applications on. And so I kind of like got into to blockchain um, through my interest in, in finance and, uh, you know, trading stocks and options. And so like Bitcoin and all that stuff was kind of exciting. And then also through just always kind of wanting to, to explore maybe like a new technology, but, but not really, uh, having the chance to do that when I was, you know, in college and stuff because of just the timing of everything. So 
uh, it was it was really exciting when I kind of came across the Ethereum white paper, probably in like 2017. Uh, and white papers are kind of funny to say now because like they're not nearly as big of a deal or as much hype as they were uh, back then and, and during like the ICO uh, boom and stuff. But but they used to be like these crazy long like documents and and uh, a lot of them just like turned into big marketing documents. But I spent so much time just like reading them, getting like super hyped about all these crazy uh, crazy coins like that. Definitely most of them aren't around now. Uh, but just learning about like all the different potential businesses that could be built on top of blockchain technology, uh, trying to understand just like what 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 is a blockchain? How does it work? Like Ethereum was all about, OK, well, Bitcoin, you know, is great, but we can actually build something where you can have an application layer on top of that and have all these different use cases. Right. So kind of got the wheels turning in my head around, uh, well, if you can build applications on top of it, then like maybe there is a chance to build a business in the future. Maybe it's something to look, to, to really pay attention to. Um, and so while all that was kind of going on, uh, I was working in traditional finance, kind of following like my, my, uh, you know, college journey and and career path, uh, worked it at Oakley for a little while, which is the sunglass, uh, and lifestyle company, uh, worked at their headquarters down in, down in Southern California, which was really fun. Uh, but in like business analytics and finance, uh, so that was kind of like consumer brand, uh, experience and then moved to LA from, from Orange County and got a job at a, at a. TradFi company, a traditional finance company called Satera Financial Group, which there's a lot of companies that work in that way where they can provide a platform for money managers to allocate money on behalf of their clients. So to kind of like put that in layman's terms, uh, majority of like the wealth and money in the United States is guided through money managers. And whether that's hedge fund managers or financial advisors or RIAs, there's a, a variety of different uh, stewards of capital, but majority of them invest, uh, you know, on behalf of clients that are, you know, like like our parents, maybe like us as we as we grow older, and people who aren't comfortable or or don't want to don't have the time or um, you know energy to to dedicate you know hundred percent or even, or the, the appropriate percentage of their um, their their free time into into investing, and so they outsource that to financial advisors or money managers. And a lot of those money managers work with fund companies, platform companies, or technology companies to uh, to allocate the funds on behalf of their clients. So that was kind of what we did at Satera, um, but but on a larger scale, so like nine, ten thousand advisors, and uh, it, we had like ten different brands and, and firms. And so it was like in in, in Florida there was one, and, and in New York there's another. So then I then I got into uh, Bitwise Asset Management, which is the the firm I work for now. And it's a very similar concept in that we uh, provide access to financial advisors, to money managers. Uh, We provide access to crypto products or to crypto assets through our structured products. And uh, they can then allocate their clients' money into crypto in a less less complex and also maybe, you know, a less dangerous quote unquote way, right? So some people aren't comfortable with like the, the MetaMask wallet and like the little ledger on their desk where they're like, you know, clicking through seed phrases and confirming transactions. And uh, like, I'm not comfortable with that, like on a daily basis necessarily. And I've been doing this for a long time. So uh, for, for, you know, a year or two, at least like to that extent. And so, um, so anyway, we kind of, and firms like us try to kind of um, abstract that away. And so they just look like they're dealing with normal investment products. And so uh, I'm on the research team and get to help research those products, but also get to, uh, work with those money managers and like helping them along their crypto journey. So 
We do webinars, uh, a lot of one-on-one calls, like demonstrations. Hey, this is how you use Uniswap. This is how you, uh, this is like what OpenSea is, which is an NFT marketplace. And then it goes way down the rabbit hole uh, because a lot of you know money managers are super interested in crypto um, as well. So that's kind of like my background of how I went from tra- traditional finance and how that blends over into crypto. Um, and then I was just lucky enough to make that jump about a year ago. So uh, yeah. Industry appreciates you. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, that's a great that's a great breakdown of everything. If you're if this is your first time hearing about crypto, you're definitely gonna want to hit the pause button, rewind, listen to that again. But it's it's a really good breakdown of how money flows, at least in the US, pretty much of like starts at the top, the high net worth individuals, they use firms that manage the money because they can dedicate 24-7 just like resource or allocation of time and energy to making sure they're invested in the right products. You don't want to deal with that. As somebody who also used to buy and sell options, you don't want to deal with that. <laughs> it sucks when you wake up at 5.30 and you're just like praying your portfolio is green. <laughs> check the TD app before you check anything else in the morning. So you don't want to do that. You use these firms that help manage your money for you. And it's really cool that Bitwise is offering this like a suite of products to such a large clientele. How much money, Ryan, would you say? If you can't say, I don't know if you're allowed yeah. to talk about that. Um, how much money does Bitwise manage? Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. No, um, we have about, a, I think it's like one and a half billion in assets under management, uh, which is, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big number. It's a good, it's a decent sized number. Uh, it moves like the crypto market moves so much. Right. So, so, uh, it, it can swing, uh, I guess is what I'm trying to say, but, uh, no, it's the company's been around since 2017. Um, so it's actually one of the companies that, uh, it was like the first crypto index that launched and we've grown a lot in the last year, but just, a part of what I think, uh, what I really like uh, drew me to Bitwise was that they've been around for so long. They've been through like those bear markets where the the prices draw drew down ninety percent, uh, and they survived through that. And um, you know, and, and were there for like their investors. And so, um, you know, it's everyday people are are seeing the value of their portfolio swing. And so, I thought it was really cool that we uh, that we were able to to kind of stay with them through that process. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for kind of just breaking down your journey within finances, your journey into the crypto sector. Like we appreciate that insight genuinely, like coming for me, someone that's still super new to crypto, like a lot of a lot of what you're sharing is kind of like, I don't know, like people's like in the vintage world is like, oh, this is like this is what the first pop up would look like. This is like your first time at the bins or your first time at the rag house. Like it's, I'm, I'm finding these uh, different um, uh, places where the Venn diagram intersects. And it's dope to see that it's not just like, oh, yeah, suddenly you become a crypto master and you out here researching crypto like there was a process to all this. And um, on the topic of processes, I want to see if you could provide some insight to us on just like key metrics inside this space, key metrics in DeFi, NFT trends or just general crypto knowledge you can impart on cats like me and cats like Alex, people like us. Um, yeah. Yeah. We'd love to hear some. Looking at the market cap of DeFi, uh, which is the total value of all of the kind of DeFi applications, uh, we have about like 120 billion in market cap. So it's a big number. Uh, it's only about six percent of like the total crypto market cap. So uh, you know, it's not half of crypto. Uh, again, most people think of crypto and think of like cryptocurrencies, but the actual financial services inside of our financial service applications in the crypto economy only make up about 6% um, of the entire space. So it's relatively small uh, if you think of it from kind of that lens. Uh, But 
looking at the market cap is a helpful way to understand like how DeFi protocols are being valued, seeing how large it is as a, as a percentage of the total sector gives you an idea of maybe how high it could grow. Uh, if you think it can be a higher percentage or not, then, then you know maybe you think there's a play there. But uh, that's just kind of one metric. Then you can start looking at other uh, business metrics. So that would be things like value locked, which I'll, I'll get into, but also more uh, more kind of normal metrics that like revenue, right? Or uh, trading volume or transaction volume, right? So literally like metrics that um, I'm probably out of my out of my uh, lane here, but like I don't know if you're running a sh- if you're running a, a, a Shopify uh, or like a vintage store, right? like you you looking at your revenue, you're looking at your revenue per transaction, your revenue growth over time. How much of that revenue are you paying out to uh, people that you're you know acquiring the goods from versus are you retaining on your on your own? So like we just look at these crypto applications, and it's obviously not just us. It's like this is the broader kind of approach now that things are evolving into businesses run on top of blockchains is looking at, at uh, different different metrics like revenue, uh, transaction volume, value locked, same thing for NFTs. So getting into uh, some of the more like DeFi ones, uh, we have t- total value locked, which is, is a metric that uh, it's really like an adoption metric and a growth metric. It's best to look at over time. Kind of looking at it at any point in time isn't really that helpful. Um, if you if you see a chart of, of TVL or total value locked in DeFi, you can see that it really for the first kind of uh, few years that it was around, it was really relatively flat, like, you know, n- not even at like 20 billion in, in value locked, which I know is still a big number. But when you think about the relative growth today, we saw this huge uptick happening um, in, in the end of tw- well, in 2020, which was DeFi summer and then into 2021. And today there's about 200 billion uh, dollars in, in total value locked in DeFi. So it's a it's a big number, right? So 200 billion of capital deployed into DeFi protocols, whether that's like uh, people who have deposited assets into these like, you know, call them like crypto banks, right? So like Aave and Compound, or whether it's um, market makers or traders who are deploying assets into exchanges to help provide liquidity, um, which is just a kind of a fancy way of saying like, People who are providing traditional market making services that in Web two, in the re- regular finance world rather, um, is really done by like a few centralized parties. But the cool thing about DeFi is that two hundred billion in value locked is coming from like so many different places and so many individuals, um, and anyone can access it with an internet connection or, you know, with the with the crypto wallet. And so, it just. It, it's a it's a much smaller number in the grand scheme of things when you think about how much capital is in traditional finance with DeFi, but I think it's really cool to think about where it's coming from and what that kind of means like uh, for, for where that could grow into. Super cool. Super cool. Thank you for that. Yeah. What do you what do you think like NFTs are heading or like first of all, what's your what's your favorite NFT? And it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be one you own or the one you've made most money on, but like you can call it a couple. Like, what are some I, of your favorite NFT projects? I, I really like the uh, the vintage punks. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, no, I uh, let's see. So, um, I my favorite collection is probably the Adam Bomb Squad collection, which is Bobby Hundreds or the Hundreds dropped their their collection probably last August. If, yeah, I think it was in August. Um, and I. Yeah, I don't know. To me, the NFT collections that are really resonating are ones that have like utility, which is very buzzwordy, but in the sense that like you can do something with it, or you like you get access to something. Yes, access to community is great, but like with the hundreds, what's really cool is uh, you've gotten like free clothes sent to you. You've gotten uh, access to certain 
live events. Like they did a, uh, I, I, I'm in LA. They did a, uh, oh gosh, like a food festival thing. And if you, if you owned one of the NFTs, you got into like a VIP section of the, of the festival and you got like a free meal, uh, which it's like the smallest things. And like, yeah, that's great. Cause like I lived in the area and it was really easy to get there and stuff. But um, if you, if you kind of zoom out and, and look at like the projects that are providing utility in the sense that like, yes, I hope the number goes up. I hope the value of them like increases, but I'm getting things along the way and along the journey that for me are like making it worth it and are paying for it. And so um, that doesn't even mean that I have to get something I can resell. Like I got this shirt for free from the Adam bomb squad like thing. And like, I'm not going to resell it, but there, it does have some value in my mind. And I'm like, Oh, cool. Like, you know, this little digital, uh, this, this JPEG that I bought, like I'm getting some, some stuff out of it. And so, uh, so anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Adam bomb squad. Um, I also like pudgy penguins just because like, I waiting, got into that, that one waiting for the yeah. Penguin shout out. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to my Twitter profile, uh, which is like the, the one that I have left, um, because I've, I've sold a few along the way and like, it's, I kept it because it was the most rare, but it's also the one that I was like, least like oh i love the art so it's uh, it's got like a bowl cut like cucumbers on the eyes like a lay it's got all this weird stuff going for it but uh but i like the pudgy penguins um uh, that that community is just like really really hardcore like if you have been in that community for a while or um even if you jump into it now like they just like it's 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 really active and like people are really passionate about the project and so um i might have some bias because i've been in that one that was like my intro into nfts like originally and so I think that will always probably cloud my judgment on that one a little bit. Uh, but yeah, big fan of pudgy penguins. Um, the other one that I would say like that, that I really, really like um, is, is uh, well, obviously like Yuga labs and, and everything they're doing with like board ape and, and mutant ape and stuff um, is great. So I don't feel like we need to like d- dive into that unless, um, unless you guys want to. But uh, Wanderers is another really good one, which is a project where like the artist is just continuing to like develop stuff, um, you know, and as as artists continue to build additional like uh, ecosystems for their original NFTs to like exist in and to like thrive in, it just is like a really, I don't know, interesting way to like keep bringing people back. So, uh, yeah. That's what I noticed the most, like from like whenever I talk to um, artists, cats about NFTs. Like they love like collections like the Wanderers. Um, there's a s- artist named Billy Rax who created like creatures that could that that you can utilize in the metaverse. Mm-hmm. But like it also is attached to his album, which is a soundtrack for his whole metaverse. And I was just like, bro, what? <laughs> like just me? Like you know what I mean? Just 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 digesting that. I'm like, that's crazy that that's possible. Secondly, yeah. like, it makes it. It's like now world building isn't just a metaphorical thing. Like you're literally creating the soundtrack you're creating the outfits you're creating the you know the visuals everything and i really um alex told me a little bit about the wanderer collection and i really enjoyed that one as well for real yeah it's it's super interesting for there's a few like ways that i find nfts fascinating that i did not at all really ever care about traditional art or that aren't possible with like traditional art and i think part of that well i guess i'll kind of like walk through what those are um I have this debate all the time with uh, when I'm t- trying to talk about NFTs with with financial advisors um, and even like, I don't know, it's kind of just like a generation above us. It's like, I don't like, I don't have traditional art. I don't care about traditional art. Like, yes, I get like 
if a Picasso is rare because the artist and, and yada yada, like I'm sure I'm offending some very traditional art people here. I don't mean to do that, but but I'll get to my point. Um, it, it's like one of the reasons why I don't like traditional art really is because like, I don't know, I've moved around for the last like 10, 15 years of my life. I uh, am not a very careful person when it comes to like, I spill stuff all the time. I like break stuff. I, you know, uh, uh, so for me, it's like almost riskier in a way to like buy expensive traditional art because now I have to worry about like transporting it. Now I have to like find space on my wall to put it up and like moved in with my girlfriend recently. Like we couldn't decide on the same, like there's no way that the art that I would have had by myself for the last 10 years, like would have been art that she wants in her apartment. And so like, uh, storing it would have cost money. Like there's all these factors, traditional art that you just don't have with NFTs. And on the, on the flip side of that, like wrapping back up to, to your point, like you can build so much more around them because they are digital. So not only is it easier to store NFTs because, uh, instead of having to find wall space or a vault or a storage, uh, uh, closet, you can just hold it on, on your digital wallet, right. Um, or, or on your MetaMask or, or in your ledger, uh, it's easier to sell them because I can sell them instantly. I don't have to go through an art broker to verify authenticity, to find a, a buyer, um, to negotiate and like transact it and everything. And, uh, it's also not going to get damaged. Like it's not going to, if a fire happens, like. I'm not going to lose my piece of, like, I'm not going to lose my art. I'll, I might lose the computer that the MetaMask was like loaded up on. But as long as my seed phrase isn't burned in that fire, I can still access that art. I can still sell it. I can still transport it. Um, so there's all those like physical properties and just like characteristics of NFTs and digital art that really resonate with me. Just like being, I think like a millennial or just like having, you know, not really like living in one place my whole life and not really understanding like, or growing up with technology and understanding like it's nice when trends change to be able to like switch my profile picture real quick or like, you know, I don't know what was cool in, in Fortnite six months ago, whatever might not have been cool today. And like, you just don't get that with traditional static art and, uh, and that then you can build worlds around it, which is like, yeah, very, very fascinating. And to me that resonates a lot. And I think artists who just release an, an NFT and don't do any building around it um, are probably less likely in the future to find success than those who keep coming back and, and building their user base and fan base and community. Totally. Totally. I think you mentioned a couple of good points there, both of you. And like, for me, it kind of boils down to two main parts with NFTs. Either it has to be an art, like a visual art thing that I resonate with and even can like use as a representation of myself in the metaverse, or it needs to be the membership that I'm buying into. And like the basically NFTs are making memberships uh, an asset pretty much like the value. I don't think there's ever been an instrument that could like value financially how much a certain community is worth in the ways that NFTs have, you know, you have your country club, maybe memberships every year. You can't sell your country club membership midway <laughs> to somebody else or like a gym membership. Even you can't sell your gym membership to somebody else. And if the value of your gym, you know, they add new stuff. I always use this example, but like if they make your gym look nicer, that just makes your cost go up. Like you don't get to participate in any of the actual like financial appreciation. Yeah. You don't get the, to, to write the depreciation off on your taxes for like the new gym equipment. Like yeah, exactly. What, you bring up some really good points there. Uh, Cause we were talking, yeah, we've been talking about kind of like the art and, uh, and community aspect of it all. But if you think about just like straight, like memberships um, it, it, from an NFT perspective, like you were talking about, I was just looking at the comedy store, which uh, NFT collection, which is uh, the comedy store is uh, Alex is probably familiar with, with what this is uh, and, and, and maybe as well. But uh, 
for, for those who aren't, it's like a big uh, stand-up comedy venue in LA. It's been around for like 50 years. It's right on Sunset in Hollywood. Um, and, you know, like Joe Rogan, uh, 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 gosh, Bob Saget, like, I don't know, well, he's RIP, uh, bad examples both. But uh, anyways, a bunch of comedians go there. Point being, um, they're just dropping an NFT collection like this week. And I've been like following it very closely. And I have no idea how much it's going to cost. Um, I'm hoping it's like not too expensive, but they're only dropping 600 of them. And uh, I don't really care for the art. Like I looked at it, I was like, I don't, you know, it literally is just like a, a ticket that it's like a ticket, virtual ticket. Like doesn't, the art's not something you put on your Twitter profile or anything like that, but the utility out of it, like I can, owners of that NFT will be able to uh, have access to pre-sale tickets for certain shows in the future. They'll get discount on merch. They'll get to go to private events with like, comedians who else right you start to feel like that country club or social club kind of vibe from some of these collections uh and and they don't have to be in person like that's great for me because i live in la and i love going to stand-up comedy uh and so like i would love to be able to take advantage of that but uh in a in a virtual dow setting like you can get access to a community from anywhere in the world like i'm sure there's vintage dow members uh all over the states and, and probably internationally uh, and so, yeah, the whole, the whole membership aspect of it and how much you can make from, or how large you can build from that is really, uh, it really is priceless. Um, and the other side of like events ticketing, just to like bring it back to that, that comedy sort of thing is like sporting events, like music events, like all these different like venues that can start using NFTs to, uh, to, to sell their tickets via NFTs. Now they can, now they can code a royalty into their nfts and uh so if you're buying a ticket to go see a seahawks game and you buy that and it's an nft the seahawks don't make money on a secondary sale like they that might get sold on Ticketmaster to someone else and the seahawks don't get any of that but with an nft the seahawks could go like a five percent royalty into the the smart contract that uh that every single time that nft changes hands on the secondary market the Seahawks are getting 5% of that, uh, of that transaction. And so there's just a huge, I mean, everybody wins in web three and DAOs and NFTs and crypto, um, you know, and so it's hard to not find a, a, a aspect of it that resonates with, with me. So I could kind of talk about it all day. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that was perfect. That was perfect. Like, and just, we were talking about the membership stuff, stuff too, and kind of bringing it back to vintage DAO and why, like why vintage, why a DAO for vintage, it's really that membership that we're talking about in the community that we're building here within Vintage DAO. And we have a belly, I believe he's in Sweden. So shout out to a belly over there. But yeah, that's, we have some international people in the DAO and it's looking to, to grow even larger. I remember specifically during 2020 when it was locked down and everything. And when the uh, IG lives started going off with the auctions and all those kind of things. And it really gave the vendors overseas, like a new way of participating in the marketplace that was truly never there before. And that was simply just done through Instagram Live, more or less. And whether or not that was good for vintage at large, that's another debate, maybe. But it gave people over there like a really good opportunity that they never had before utilizing technology. And that was like a great Web 2 example of how technology can kind of like bridge those worlds. But within Web 3 and be able to have access to the membership in Vintage DAO and like the resource of just the knowledge bank of everybody in Vintage DAO. Like if you need something, is this a verifiable piece? Like, can I just post in the Discord? get people to comment real quick. Oh no, like you don't get that. That's not legit. Or, Oh wow. Great deal. You know, like grab that kind of thing. Like yeah. that's really almost invaluable to a certain degree, just being able to have that community of people in like a lot of people in vintage are one person operations within that. So you can't really bounce ideas off of people or if you want to collaborate on something or like throw an event together, 
kind of thing. Like you just don't have that community traditionally, but now with mm-hmm. Vintage Now, that's one of the main goals is to build that community space for everybody in Vintage. And the Discord is free to join. There's different there's different layers to it. If you are in the DAO, you get certain like areas that are unlockable within it. But at the base level, everything is free to join. Anybody can participate in it. Like it doesn't cost any money or anything, cool. but there are definitely benefits to owning the Vintage Punk. And on that membership note, you know, we're going to be throwing an event this summer. And after the event, everybody in Vintage DAO is going to get, this is alpha right here. <laughs> everybody in Vintage DAO is going to get 50% off everything. So whether that's a general ticket, whether that's a booth that you want to sell at. So if the booth is $100, cool. you know, if you're in Vintage DAO, it's only going to cost you $50 for it. And like that's kind of how you're talking about you get those certain things throughout the years from that NFT series. Like It almost pays off itself in a way. We're just getting those resources and getting those perks and benefits. It's It's just like not immeasurable because that's in that case, it's very measurable, but over time it just compounds is like a better way to say it. And as the community, like as the DAO offerings go up and as we provide more services and connect more people around the globe, you know, in theory, of course, do your own research, not financial advice, but in theory, the price of the NFT should go up and there's only 300 of them. So it's a pretty small community. Mm -hmm. It was done on purpose for that way. And I designed them so that, you know, traditionally with NFTs, people just look at what's the most rare percentage wise. Like they just want to buy whatever is technically the most rare, but not necessarily what's the best visual art. And so with the vintage punks, each one has the exact same rarity because there's only one of each. So there's only like one Mm. with that one background, one with that one t-shirt. So the pricing besides just like community offerings, it really just comes down to what people value the art at and what do they value like that t-shirt at. And that was, that was very like purposeful on that. So pretty cool on that. We're also going to have an after party event. Um, over summer. So if you're in the vintage DAO, you're going to get to come to the after party for the event and everything. And yeah, some nice. other stuff in the works too. Yeah. I mean, th- that's a good point right there. Uh, you, yes, it's okay. Yeah. It's tangible. If you get a 50% discount, you can, you can actually calculate how much money you save, but like, who's to say that, that the per, like you're not going to meet somebody at that event or at the after party or in the, the token gated discord, right? Where it's like that next level where you have to own an NFT. Who's to say, that you're not going to meet someone that you're then going to go and, and have an opportunity to like build a business with or to explore something new with, or just might like become a, I don't know, like a great friend that you find like, Oh yeah, that was well worth whatever, you know, fee I paid to get into this community because now I've made uh, connections, whether they're professional or, or personal on the way. Um, and so I think that the, the ability to kind of, uh, I don't want to say like token gate a community, but like create some kind of, um, some kind of like rarity of being able to be like part of this community uh, is really, really special. And, uh, you know, people join country clubs, they join like nice gyms. Like I heard somebody, uh, this is like a week ago, I was talking to somebody and they said like one piece of advice they got was to join the nicest gym in their neighborhood, like in their area, because like inevitably you'll meet someone and that connection will pay for itself. And uh, I was like, maybe I need to go get an Equinox membership. I, I, I was about know. to say, yeah, yeah, you don't have your Equinox membership yet now. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know if I'm meeting my next business partner at the gym, my apartment <laughs> building gym. You know what I mean? Like, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you get out of it what you put into it as a, as a lot of things in, in Web3 and in DAOs are. But um, you could always just be like that one event that you go to that changes everything that's worth it. Um, or, you know, that one community call you're on. So, uh, yeah, it's it's it really can be intangible or invaluable, you know. I guess like a big question I have, uh, just kind of piggybacking everything we've heard so far, is like for for people that are new to the crypto space, um, 
and for people that are like new and interacting with people like you, Ryan, like what are not necessarily trepidations, but what are advice of things that you can provide just to like be mindful of, I guess, as people are entering the crypto space, as um, people are working to explore the NFT space, DeFi space, all of this, the whole Web3 universe yeah. from your perspective so far. Um, yeah, I think that's a good, it's a good question. There's, it's such a wide, like a vast landscape, like just there's, there's so much that you could get into. Uh, one thing that I would say is just be wary of, of scams and like those can come in all kind of shapes and sizes. And I don't mean to, and, and I don't mean that in like a, everything is in crypto is scam by any, any means, but I've seen a lot of people who go down a rabbit hole because they found something on Reddit or Twitter and, uh, they kind of just like, don't do any extra research outside of maybe that like forum post or like that, that Twitter thread or something. And, uh, and they can just end up going down a rabbit hole where either it leads to a scam or maybe that one project in itself didn't really have anything that was, that was, um, going to like accrue value in the end of the day. Um, but like you can, you can get a bad taste in your mouth to crypto if you just go too deep down a rabbit hole and have your blinders on. So I would just say if you're new to the space, like have an open mind, be aware that some things are scams. And so if you're seeing something pumped by like a huge account on Twitter, do, do more research. Like if you're seeing someone say it's a sure thing, like on Reddit, like just do more research. Um, and you know, take a lot of things that you see on, on line about like which token is the best or is going to pump like with a grain of salt and learn about the technology. Um, it's, it really is fascinating. Uh, I like the DeFi stuff because I've always been interested in financial markets, but clearly you guys have found something that resonates with you, right? It's building a community. Um, and, and you can learn so much through doing that. And you can learn all about MetaMask. You can learn all about uh, trading on OpenSea. You can learn about like a multi-sig or a treasury for like a DAO, right? As you go down those rabbit holes. But uh, all those terms can sound very, uh, can, can kind of be, you know, hard to swallow at first and really intimidating um, for, for newcomers. But a lot of them are just like fancy words wrapped around concepts that you've heard of. And, uh, you know, like a DAO is a decentralized, decentralized autonomous organization. It's just like a club that hangs out in Discord. Like there's nothing crazy about that, uh, you know, and a decentralized exchange is, is just like Coinbase or like the stock exchange. It's just using crypto technology. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, be wary of scams, but also do your own research. Like it's invaluable to just spend time listening to podcasts, um, watching YouTube videos, reading about, you know, projects, assets, um, and, and having an, an open mind. Uh, yeah. Any recommendations? I know that's the second time you mentioned podcasts is a great way to dive into this universe. Any recommendations yeah. for people to listen to additionally? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so... There's some, so some podcasts that I really like that I try to just make sure I catch kind of on a weekly basis. Uh, Bankless is one that I uh, listen to a lot. Uh, and they, they've started producing like so much content, it's nearly impossible to, to keep up with it. So if you're going to follow one episode of theirs a week, like probably the, the weekly roundups are really good. And those are, I think, come out on like Thursday or Fridays. And it's like an hour, two hours long, just like everything happening in, in crypto and Web3. Um so Bankless is a good one. I really like Blockworks uh, Empire podcast. So it's by the company Blockworks, which is 
one of kind of the, the leading like media companies in crypto. Uh, they, they also follow them on like Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, wherever else you get your information because they produce a lot of uh, or, or, or great articles on the space. Um, but they have really approachable content. Like it's, uh, they talk about, you know, interesting concepts, at least that I find really interesting from a crypto perspective, but they break it down and make it very approachable. Uh, that's co-hosted by the founder of that and the founder of of Gauntlet, which is like a is like a risk management analytics platform, and uh, so it's just like a really interesting kind of narrative or into the space. It's very technical, very news oriented, and um, and yeah. So, Blockworks Empire, uh, Bankless, and then the Defiant is really good. It's it's a DeFi one. Um, it's it's hosted by Cami Russo, who is a phenomenal author and just like a, a, she's really great, huge in the space. Uh, she, she leads the defiant, which is an entire like media, uh, uh, company in crypto, but she also hosts that podcast and they have great interviews with like founders, uh, across the space, uh, traditional investors, you know, VCs. So really great conversations. She also wrote, uh, my favorite book that I've ever read on crypto, uh, called the infinite machine. So I recommend that to anybody who is just looking to learn about, uh, well, it's really about Ethereum, but it really teaches like a, a normal person's journey into Web3. Like we're trying to solve a problem. It tells it through the story of Ethereum. So you learn about a lot of the key players in the crypto space. You learn all about Vitalik, who's like the guy who founded Ethereum. And you learn that he like worked for Bitcoin Magazine way back in the day and like all this like really interesting stuff. Um, but but uh, it's it's written very well. And, uh, and so I highly recommend that. And yeah, that's probably it. I mean, there's some rabbit hole podcasts like uh, that that you could always go down. Um, but but uh, I would say those three are probably the best starter starter podcasts like to to get you hooked. Yeah, and honestly, make sure you follow follow Ryan on Twitter. Also, there's some good Rasterly good Rock. Yeah, yes. Yeah, right. Why don't you spell it for them so they know how to spell it correctly? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Definitely follow me on Twitter. Uh, again, like LinkedIn. Um, I don't. I one thing that I think people don't realize is that. Uh, Web3 and crypto is, is expanding beyond um, Twitter. So like Instagram, LinkedIn, there's a lot of going on in those spaces uh, um, on crypto. But follow me on Twitter, uh, R-A-S-T-E-R-L-Y-R-O-C-K. It's it's Rasterly Rock. Big Game of Thrones fan. So like I tried to <laughs> make a pun with my last name and then I realized I was going to start posting about stuff for work. And yeah, th- hey, thank you all so much for listening to this episode this has been uh our first guest on the vintage dow podcast ryan rasmussen the one and only uh, uh you know what i'm saying crypto research analyst at bitwise you gotta got, gotta put a little sprinkle you know put a little spec on this guy's name but genuinely thank you so much we we got to explore a little bit about ryan's journey into uh the the world of DeFi, the world of crypto we got to explore a little bit of his insight on on decentralized finances traditional finances and also just kind of a a bit of uh some of his favorite nft collections and uh podcasts to listen to for additional research um the biggest takeaway for me uh from listening to everything is do more research do more research that's the episode title of this title do more research be in community with people that aren't yourselves um, be willing to try out new things. And of course, like take everything with a grain of salt, something that may be uh, the truth one day will be a lie another day. Something that may be a lie one day may become the 
international standard the next week. Um, everything is shifting so much within this universe, but I think like connecting to real people that are in here in the crypto world, in the vintage world, whichever world you're coming from, uh, I think is one of the best ways to get connected to learning about how exciting the, this technology is, you know, past, past the JPEG artwork, past, past the possible scams that cats are doing, just like the ability to be able to access this level of financial growth um, is honestly unprecedented. Uh, and genuinely, I just want to say a big thank you to Ryan for coming on to the Vintage Now podcast. Ryan, if there's anything you would like to plug, man, camera one, camera two, <laughs> camera three, the red carpet is open for you right now. Even if you just want to let us know your Twitter again, but the floor is yeah. yours, my friend. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, definitely. Anybody feel free to give me a follow on, on Twitter. That's generally where I, I talk about and kind of post about crypto related stuff um, and try to provide kind of like a uh, some analytics, but also, you know, a little bit of narrative there. So follow me at Rasterly Rock uh, on Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Ryan Rasmussen, uh, hard to spell. So grab it from the show notes. But uh, yeah, just, you know, jump on in. Don't be afraid. Uh, everybody is really, really welcoming. And uh, I've never met a Web3 community where I haven't like been able to jump in Discord and ask questions that maybe I thought was a dumb question. Uh, and, you know, everyone's always very welcoming. And, uh, you know, I just encourage everyone to jump in the space. It's been a lot of fun. So thanks for having me, guys. Thank you so much. Peace out, cool. everybody. Peace.